Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. Well, welcome to Out of the Blue. It is Sunday, the 11th of June. No, it's the 9th of June. I am so good at getting the date wrong. (laughs) I'm Heather, and I don't think I function on Sundays. Look, you give it your best. You give it your best. (laughs) I have it written down in front of me, and I still... Maybe I'm dyslexic. For those who are listening... (laughs) Heather actually showed me the piece of paper with a written saying, I won't get it wrong this time. And look what happened. I know. Look, the problem <laughs> is just before we went to air, I'm like, yes, it's Sunday the 9th. Um, and then I was like, oh, we're going to play Philippe Cousteau. And I was like, oh, I think it was his dad's birthday coming up this week. Jacques Cousteau, it would have been his birthday on June 11th, which is not today because today is June 9th. <laughs> Well done. We got there. So welcome to Out of the Blue. Um, Clearly, I'm doing a great job this morning. So you could be listening to us live on 3CR 855 AM. You could be listening to all this uh, talk going on also on the podcast, online, digital radio. There's no excuse. You really should be listening to us. Um, I would like to, first off, before we start the show today, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that 3CR broadcasts from and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, yesterday, which was June 8th, June 8th was yesterday. Well done. Um, well done. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> was, oh, this is a really bad start to the day. Um, yesterday was World Oceans Day. Hooray! Woohoo! So, World Oceans Day, um, the theme for this year uh, that was designated by the UN was gender and oceans. So I think it's about getting everybody involved. I thought the ocean didn't discriminate, personally. Uh, yeah, I was a bit confused by that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I guess some people may interact with the ocean more than others or some people feel they have more claim to the ocean than others. Um, but it's all about just getting out there and really enjoying our oceans. Can't because our oceans, as I'm sure most of you are aware, do cover 70% of planet Earth, but they do provide over 90% of the water. So we've got over 90% of the Earth's water is in our oceans and that water, including the marine algae and all the other plants that are in there, give us over 70% of our oxygen. So they're significant. They're Majorly impo- they're, significant. They're, some would say important. Some would say. I, I would say more than important. We do advocate that for that on this show. I would this say show. almost essential. Essential? Essential, Okay. Okay, yeah. all right. Um. So our oceans, we have spoken multiple times, and we're not going to cover it today. Um, 
have got many things going on. We've got ocean acidification. We've got rising sea level. We've got plastic pollution. There's a lot going on in the oceans. But today I want to focus on some of the positive stuff around the oceans. And I've been spending a bit of time out on the road with work and I've been going down to Portland and Warrnambool a lot. Guess what's happening at the moment? Um, Think about the region. Ooh. I'm sure you can get this. Whales. 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 Love me whale. The whales are migrating. This is like the most exciting time. Uh, just note, I'm still yet to see one. Oh, really? Yeah, no. I've been down to Warrnambool well, I'm down there for work. once. Okay. And in that, that one time, I saw a mother and calf. Oh, get out. <laughs> get out right I now. I walked up. I didn't. I just uh, was driving around. I saw them some signs, whale watching area. There's some signs. Yes, went, yes, Went down there. A uh, group of people there. Like, oh, okay, what's going on? Oh, there's a mother and calf. Yeah, seriously, get out. Once. I will do the rest of the show Once. by myself. Having said that, uh, <laughs> over in when I was in uh, South America, I was oh, about... yes. Yes, from, from a pier. <laughs> I, you may have heard me mention South America before. A few times. I do love it. I was about 30 metres from a mother and calf from a pier and then maybe only oh, about three metres from an adult southern right whale in the water in a boat. What? Which was pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Ah, I'm just going to aspire to be you now so I can go and see whales. You're like the whale... Whale Whisperer. Whale Whisperer, yes. That's the topic for our next show. (laughs) Right, okay. Um, So the whales are migrating at the moment. So they are leaving the Southern Ocean. They are leaving their Antarctic waters where there is plenty of krill and lots of food and it's a happy place where I imagine they all just hang out and, you know, have a massive party. Mm. And the Southern right whales and the humpbacks are migrating now in slightly similar directions. I mean, they're all moving north from Antarctica, um, but the southern rights are now moving themselves into the Great Australian Bight and they're going to be there for mating and for the calves, um, whereas the humpback whales, they're beginning to start a massive migration. These guys do the largest or the longest migration of any mammal on the planet. Uh, they are going to migrate 5,000 kilometres up the east coast of Australia. Which makes you think, why bother? Why not just come up, hit bar and think, hey, this is pretty good. Let's hang out here. Well, we're going to touch on that shortly because something is definitely happening up there. So one of the most famous humpback whales in Australia, and I have heard he's ventured over to New Zealand, is Migaloo. He's 30 years old. He turns 30 this year. Happy birthday, Migaloo. Happy birthday. So if you don't know who Migaloo is, he is the white humpback whale. The white whale. And when I lived on the Gold Coast, everyone was pretty much obsessed with Migaloo. Like, there were nightly news reports if Migaloo was in the area, so everyone could go out and see him. I do think he's a top half of Australia. People actually know who he is, but maybe down in Victoria, people aren't as familiar. Uh, because, obviously, we don't have, in Melbourne, the migration here. But he is very, very famous. Yes. Very popular. It was a couple of years he disappeared or wasn't sighted. Mm. And people got very, very worried. Mm. Well, I don't know if he's been sighted this year. I was on his website last night. I'm not sure whether they've seen him yet. But um, I imagine he's pretty distinctive. Yes, stands out. (laughs) And um, if he's around, I'm sure we will hear about it. So we will update our Facebook page. And if you don't follow us on Facebook, it's Out of the Blue Radio. And we usually post some really great stuff on there, particularly any um, recent news reports that are related to the marine environment. So you said, why should they even bother yes. migrating so far? Look, okay, you're going to spend most of your time down in Antarctica, move up, get to a, a nice warm patch and just hang out. Why do they keep, why do they keep going? 
Well, first off, I guess we have to look at why do they have to leave Antarctica? Mm. I mean, plentiful food. Why would you leave? I heard it's a nice place. Cold. Uh, I've heard. Haven't been. My parents have. They Mm. said it's great. Mm -hmm. But cold. So why would you leave? If all your food is there, why leave? Yes, that's right. So essentially, the whales need to leave Antarctica because when they mate and they have their calves, their calves don't have that protective blubber layer. And as you said... Antarctica's cold. These guys <laughs> would cold. die. It is known for being cold. It yes. is. So what happens is the whales migrate up the coast to somewhere nice and warm on the Great Barrier Reef, which, again, we have touched on multiple times, could be in danger. Mm. They mate, they give birth to their beautiful little calves, and then they start their journey back. And by this point, the calves have got their blubber, they've got some food, they're a little bit stronger, a little bit warmer, and they can make that migration south. Brilliant. But a lot of work, 5,000 kilometres or mm-hmm. over 5,000 kilometres to give birth. That is dedication. It's huge. Mm. Now, as you mentioned, why bother to keep going? Yes. So let me pull up a news report here, which was reported on the ABC. Humpback whales birthing off Gold Coast. Interesting. Now, that's 1,000 kilometres south of where they usually give birth. Interesting. So what they've noticed is there appears to be this new whale nursery, which is off the Gold Coast, when traditionally they would head all the way up to the Great Barrier Reef. And at this point, researchers aren't actually sure why. Wow. Okay. So a thousand kilometres difference. That is I mean, quite I d- significant. I don't think the whales have suddenly become lazy and gone, why are we going 5,000 k's when we could just go four? I don't know. They're pretty smart. Well, they, they, they are. They walked up to the Gold Coast and thought, hey, this is warm. This is nice. Let's do these things here. But a thousand kilometers, what does that say? What does that indicate? Is there a change in their traditional birthing grounds? Or because of the rise in humpback numbers, are we seeing a sort of a bigger diversity of the distribution of those birthing grounds because there are rising numbers? What is going on? Well, I think it's something new that the researchers are going to have to go out there mm. and explore because yeah. this this hasn't happened before and it's a huge behaviour change. So it's not just the one, it's quite a few. No, it? there's quite a few. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to call it a nursery, there's got to be at least a few that have decided, you know what, Gold Coast is a great place to birth. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> and when I lived up there, one of the problems that came up a lot, and it's a really tough one because everyone loves to be in the ocean, people are scared of sharks. Oh, Yes. I get that. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of this potential encounter that is probably never, ever going to happen. But particularly in Queensland, they love their shark nets. Oh, yes. Love a good shark net. And the problem is that each year they are having to rescue calves that have been stuck in these shark nets. Now, suddenly, if you're going to have a nursery on the Gold Coast, you're going to have not necessarily more calves because those whales might have previously gone up north and then started coming back. But potentially you are going to have weaker calves in the area because they are younger. It's a, it's a bunch of factors that aren't adding up to a very pleasant scenario. No, no. Mm. So you might have weaker calves who then still have the same chance of getting stuck in a shark net, but they may not have the strength to be able to keep themselves going until rescue can arrive. We have to first notice these calves trapped in these nets. We then have to mobilise. We then have to get out there. And these rescues can often take quite a bit of time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. So scientists have been studying whales for a long time. I mean, obviously, we know that these days you don't need to kill the whale in order to be able to study it. Some would argue, but uh, yes. Not not going to go into that. But I actually went to TEDx Melbourne. 
Oh, yes. This week. It was on Wednesday. It was at the exhibition buildings, Jeff Shed, and it was fantastic. There were some incredible talks about, you know, one lady was doing, I think, I think she ran from one side of India to the other side of India. It was like 800 Ks and she'd been doing ultra marathons and all this really cool stuff. And I was like, inspiring, but I don't need to do that. <laughs> I'm looking at her and I'm like, that is brilliant. Not on my list but why of bother? To do. Yeah. So, well, not why bother. She was doing it for so a very this, good charity Is this event. what the whales are thinking as well? Yeah, the whales are thinking, let's go to India. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, what got me to this TEDx talk was a talk on whales. So there was a scientist there who was presenting some of, not necessarily her research, but I guess her methodology. Her name is Dr. Vanessa Perotta. She's a marine biologist and she studies, I think it's a very niche area, um, she has been studying whale snot. Oh. Now, first question, <laughs> when you grow up, you think, you know, when I want to grow up, I want to study whale snot. It is not the first thing I think that springs to children's minds. No. Uh, I want to study whales. I want to play with whales, sure. Yeah, I want to ride a whale. I don't want to ride a whale. I yep. do. FYI, I do. How <laughs> does one specifically start that career and uh, what is she finding? What is she doing? Well, it was fascinating stuff because obviously the whales are migrating. So we've got a rough idea of where these whales are right now or where they're going to be. But whales, they're migrating these 5,000 kilometres. They are going through multiple stretches of different ocean that are being impacted by different factors, whether they're human factors or whether they're some sort of environmental factor. And they're carrying some of that information with them mm. in their snot. Of course. That is absolutely the first place that I would think to look. Exactly, wouldn't you? It, it, well, I look, mean, where else? Where else? Well, the other thing you could check is whale poo, but somebody is actually oh, already doing that. Okay. And they have a dog a sniffer dog, who's trained to sniff out whale poo. So, so here we have some clarification. If you did have to choose between whale poo and whale snot, well, I know where I would look. You're going to have to clarify. Which one would you look at? Uh, definitely the snot. Oh, Absolutely. okay, cool. Okay, just check it. See, I would look at the snot, maybe not for the same reason. The snot would get me closer to the whale, whereas the whale poo could be floating and the whale could be long gone and you may not get to see the whale. Well. But you get to play with the dog who sniffs out the poo. That's always – look, if you get to play with a dog in any profession <laughs> – that is a win. Well, I think so, yeah. Absolutely. So what they have developed is completely non-invasive, which is brilliant because these guys are migrating. You know what? They've got one thing they want to do. They want to head north. They don't want to be impacted by a human who's going to, like, jab them with a needle to get some DNA or any of that sort of stuff. It's got a giant hanky. Is is this where – that's where we're going? Well – One gigantic it's not, Kleenex. It's not Shout out to Kleenex off. here. It's not far off. I mean, first off, I love that she brought in Finding Nemo because so many people relate to that. And she did mention how Marlon and... Uh, Coral. No, not Coral. No, who's the one? Dory. Dory. That Marlon and Dory, when they went into the whale's mouth, would not have come out the blowhole. No. Um, so I really liked that she educated the entire room on that and that those two would have been coming out and the dog would have been finding them. For sure. Yeah. So... <laughs> The blowhole is, uh, I guess it expels a lot of mucus and things when the whale heads to the surface to take a breath. It looks like a plume of water, but mm. it is mucus, essentially snot. Oh. And capturing it with a giant hanky is going to be a problem. So what they have done is they have developed a really cool drone. Because who okay. doesn't love a drone? Yep. I mean, whale, drone, put them together. It's pretty it's, awesome. It's a great job. So what happens is they work out where the whales are 
and they have the boat nearby, but not too close that they're going to impact on them or not too close that they're getting, you know, into the, the boundary where you're not allowed to approach a whale. They fly the drone over the top of the whale and when they notice it's about to come up for a breath, because obviously you've got cameras on the drone, they get really, really close to the surface and when the whale expels a breath and it's snot, they have a Petri dish on the drone that opens, collects the sample, and then quickly closes again so it doesn't get contaminated by the air around the whale. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty high tech. Yeah. So the drone will fly into that plume. Yeah. Open a little compartment. Yep. Captures snot. Yep. Closes off. And then flies back to the boat. And then they change the Petri dish and go for the next whale. This is almost Star Trek. With whales. so cool. I was sitting there and I was losing my mind. And my friend who I was with, Cavill, is not a marine biologist of any sort, not not really a scientist. But at the end of the talk, he was like, you loved that, didn't you? Like, how could you not love that? It was incredible. So not only can they be getting DNA samples, which can quickly help you work out whether whales who are migrating together are related or it can give you help in working out the population size because you can't just like go out there and stick up a net and go, right, we'll just count all the whales as they get stuck in the net. I think that's what's key here, that you can get a lot of information from snot, which is incredible in itself. Yeah, and they can get hormones mm-hmm. and work out what hormones are active in the whales They're at the time. stressed or in the season, if there's many males. It's 5,000 kilometres. Surely there's going to be some stress along the way. And are they getting stressed at certain points? Mm. And then they can look at bacteria and viruses. So, you know, are whales picking up bacteria at a certain area? Are they then transferring that to another area? Interesting. They're the the equivalent of the common cold for a whale. It was fantastic. Like, my first ever TED Talk, so I was super excited, but this just blew my mind. And some snot, because I do have a cold at the moment. Um, but I didn't capture it with a Petri dish with a drone. No? No, no. no. Unfortunately, I went the normal, normal method of uh, collecting that. I think this is an area of research we're going to have to keep exploring. It, it just... Animal snot. It is certainly a non-invasive. Well, no, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's look. It's certainly a non-invasive method. We've certainly talked about that previously. Uh, we have certainly talked about the little penguin um, research that has been done down at Phillip Island. And yeah, Lauren's the, research. That's right. Definitely. The, the need for non-invasive or as as close as we can possibly get to non-invasive uh, techniques to actually study their their stresses, their their habitat. And it is. Is absolutely the future. I didn't know snot was going to be involved in that, but hey, look, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Well, it's going to have skin cells in it. There's going to be bodily fluid. I mean, it makes sense. And the fact that they can now collect it so readily and all you need is a boat and a drone. Pretty amazing. Just crazy. What is also amazing, though, is we have our Out of the Blue fundraiser coming up. Oh, yes. Now, in the past, I, I want to say four years, I think. For the past four years, I think we've done trivia. Which has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Huge fun. Very competitive. Got oh, yes. a little heated at times. But this year, we've decided to go back to a movie night, which is what we did a few years ago. So, we're heading back to Cinema Nova, which is on Ligon Street in Carlton. And we are going to be having a special fundraising screening of the new environmental documentary 2040. Now, have you heard anything about this? I, it's Look, it's all over the radio. Well, the radios that I listen to. <laughs> Which is the ones that you talk on? This, this one right here that we're <laughs> now talking about. This is all we about. talk no, about. To to it. No, <laughs> it is it's certainly I think it's gaining some traction and people are really listening up because it is making such an impact. Uh, it is by the... Uh, 
director Damon Gamur, and now if I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry, but that's how I pronounce it. He listens. I'm sure he'll call after that's the show. That's right. And yep. obviously he made that Sugar film, which was really popular back in 2014. So people are aware of him. This particular film is actually quite interesting. And it's quite a personal journey too. So he's showing um, what the year 2040, which in reality isn't that, that far, far away. away, what life could be like if we all just embraced best practice for the environment and sustainability, which is already available today. That's right. And that's what I like about this. It's best practice, sustainable um, usage of resources based on the technology that is already available today. And that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's not talking about what 2040 could be like if we suddenly have these massive advances in science. It's what if we just embrace what we already know. Mm. And what I think is beautiful, and I'm really looking forward to it, part of me... Part of me wants to have a sneaky screening before our fundraising screening because everyone is talking about it. (laughs) Um, What I think is beautiful, though, is the way it's been structured. So it's been structured as a visual letter to his four-year-old. Oh. Showing her what life could be like. Okay. I just, I think visuals are just so powerful. You can stand and make a speech. And yes, there have been some speeches in history that have been mind-blowing. You know, I have a dream. Amazing speech. But I think people these days, we're so busy and we hear a lot of talk, 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 talk. And sometimes we just need to sit down and take the time to see something that is visually stunning. I think that's really hitting the nail on the head. We've seen the almost uh, the highlight of this revolution against single-use plastics via Blue Planet with David Attenborough. Of course. That really highlighted the issue that people already sort of, they knew about it, but really highlighted the impacts of plastic on our ocean. And there has been a monumental push to reduce single-use plastic. So this can work. This medium can work. Yeah. Presented in a really highly visual but digestible medium, and we can make some real change. And as you said, visuals work. And a friend of mine tagged me in a fantastic Facebook post by Qantas, So Qantas recently had a zero landfill flight from Adelaide to Sydney. And they took a really powerful photo. And the photo was all the bags of rubbish that were created on one of their other Adelaide to Sydney flights on the same day. Adelaide to Sydney, so not very far. Not very far. So they had a picture of all of the bags of rubbish from that flight. And then they had a photo of the single bag from the the single-use plastic removal flight. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was a teeny tiny little plastic bag of things that they couldn't I'm going to have to look of. that up. Maybe I'll put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, let's share it on the Facebook page because I just, I mean, you can talk about it in terms of volume. Like the other day I heard that they've just removed 11,000 kilograms of rubbish from Everest. Wow. And I know that's a lot. That's I a lot. I totally get that. but. Yep. I can't visualise that. Yes. Exactly and, how big is that? And they say to you, oh, you know, it's as big as this many football fields. I'm like, I, I go to the footy all the time. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. But I still can't visualise it full of rubbish. Yeah, MCG or local footy ground. Well, exactly. So this photo, and I think I will, I will share it on the Facebook page straight after the show, but it was just, it was stunning. It was amazing. And as they said, they were very open that they won't be able to go to this extreme on all flights. There are going to be quarantine issues on flights where you are going to have to dispose of things in landfill. But at least they're making the, the right first step. Exactly. And they're making small steps to mitigate a large chunk of that plastic, reducing the amount of 
plastic. We're never going to remove plastic from our, our society. It is ingrained in our society. But if we take steps to actually reduce it, we're going in the right direction. And the thing is, plastic isn't inherently bad. It's just the way that we've chosen to use it. That's right. I mean, right. plastic can serve an incredible purpose. Definitely. So if you are keen to join us for our movie night, and there will be a raffle on the night as well, so it's going to be so much fun, what you need to do is jump onto our Facebook page and we have an event linked up there. So the movie night is going to be on 20th of June and at this stage, and it may change but only by about 15 minutes, at this stage the film is due to start at 8.15. But we recommend, you know what, get there early, bring a group of friends along, have a drink. But we do recommend that everyone purchases their tickets beforehand so that we make sure we have a cinema that can account for everybody. Last thing we want is to get there and we've got a cinema for maybe 50 people and we've got 75 who turned up and people can't come to the movie. That's not what we want. So buy your tickets now and I'm going to sweeten that deal. If you're listening and you're going to purchase your ticket now, this is a one-time offer, I've got a crisp high five waiting for you. Crisp high five for you. Aaron will be at the top of the stairs at the cinema and you can get a high five from Come him. grab me. Just put your hand up. Bam. Crisp <laughs> high five. And he promises not to have whale snot in his hand as well. Mm, oh, not maybe promising that. that. <laughs> okay. Um, otherwise, not if you can't snot. find us on Facebook, head over to Eventbrite, which is our ticketing platform. Search for Out of the Blue or search for Radiothon and you'll be able to find tickets there because it's a pretty amazing film and I think... From what I've seen, it's going to be bloody inspiring. Definitely. I am really looking forward to that night. So in case you're still sceptical about going to the film, we are going to finish with one quick announcement. It's obviously for our fundraiser. But that brings us to the end of the show. So I hope everyone enjoyed it today. We are going to, I am going to share information about the whale migration, Migaloo, and also whale snot for everyone who would like to know more. But otherwise, enjoy your Sunday. And coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. See ya. Bye-bye. Hmm. I think we should get this invention, which sucks up all of the rubbish in the world and puts it in a intergalactic dimension. 2040 is the latest film by award-winning director Damon Camot and shows us a possible future we could have if we take on board all the best practice options available now to change our planet. Join the Out of the Blue team for a special fundraising screening of 2040 on Thursday 20 June at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. To book tickets, Google 2040 Out of the Blue Radiothon Movie Fundraiser or find the event on our Facebook page on facebook.com slash outoftheblue. Come along to Cinema Nova with the Out of the Blue team for a drink, a fantastic documentary and help raise funds for Radiothon 2019. Thursday 20 June, 8pm at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. Please note, saving the world is not guaranteed but having a great night is. Everywhere you look, you will see incredible reasons for hope.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.